And today we're going to continue to talk about the subject that most churches have eliminated that is so desperately needed today, and that is to remind the unprepared or the unexpectant that Jesus is coming back to this earth again, that the Christmas story will fade away when the king comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. And last week we talked some about that, and we talked about the signs of the coming. With just the 35 minutes or so that we have to talk together, we looked at some of those signs. We didn't cover them all, but we talked about the fact, if you're here for the first time today, and by the way, you can always get the previous messages through our bookstore or by contacting our church, but this series is so important that we know what we can know about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the things that is very clear in the Scripture, uh, you can go to Matthew chapter 24 when you get home. The Bible says there will be many false prophets that will arise. They will be preaching, teaching that which is not the Scripture. They will be ashamed of the Scripture but the masses will follow after them. That has been foretold all the way back to the Gospel of Matthew. But it says also that we learn that the Gospel will be preached to the world, and the world will hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and that there will be great tribulation in the world, that people will be, be doing all kinds of things to try to escape the bondage that they find themselves in. As we see refugees moving across Europe and moving uh, across our own borders, that people are trying to find a better place, a different world, a new beginning. We learn that, that there will be generation that will be more disobedient to parents than ever before, that there'll be a total disrespect from the young to their father and mother that brought them into the world and reared them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That there will be many that will leave their first love. At one time, they loved family, they loved Jesus, they loved the Word of God, but they will begin to leave that. And that they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, this has been proven in the, in the religious circles that for the most part, the churches that are reaching the most people into their buildings have forsaken sound doctrine. Not all. There's some great churches that are preaching the Word. But for the most part, people are going after the things that they can identify with and will allow them to be comfortable in their rebellion against God in order that they can just come together and have fellowship one with another. The ears will turn from the truth, the Scripture says. The Bible says that there will be, no, there will be uh, people without natural affection is the word that the Bible used, that there will uh, be situations between men and women that are not natural and that those things will rise in a major way before the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And the people will be despisers of that which is good and they will lean towards and, and uh, migrate towards that which is bad, and that there will be a form of godliness, but they will deny the power 
thereof. They will be find themselves at a God that says that, that he will provide for every need, that there will be indebtedness individually, collectively, denominations and churches indebted to the world, letting the world do for them that which God wants to do uh, through them, but they will turn to that. Now, those are just some, and you can just pick up in whichever one you want to think about today. But I want to caution before I move any further by reading you a scripture. I want to read to you out of Mark chapter 13, verse 32. This is not going to be on the screen. Even this morning, I thought of this and I looked it up because it is very critical when a preacher is preaching and teachers are teaching that we understand that there is one indisputable teaching of the Scripture that we must be careful about. Here it is. It is in Mark 13, 32. But of that day, talking about the coming of the Lord, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, no, it says, not the angels which are in heaven, listen, neither the Son, but the Father. Take you heed, watch and pray, for you know not when this time is. Now, here's what I just read to you. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back again, much less one of us preachers. He is going to be told by the Father. The Father sent him the first time, and he will send him the second time. And the problem is sometimes when you start knowing all the signs that when you say, well, I think this is going to happen and it hadn't happened, so I'm just going to live like the devil because it'll take a while for that to happen. But when it starts happening, I'm going to get right. You know, nobody knows the time. So do not let me in any way impress you that I know the time. All I know is the signs of the time, and the only signs I know is what's in the Scripture. I do know that the, the prophecies of the Scripture are being fulfilled. I do not know the hour. And the Bible says, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is going to come. So today, we're going to 1 Thessalonians. I want to try to carry the story a little further and talk about the events that is coming as to just a, a very limited sketch of what the Scripture tells us about the coming of the Lord. So from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now, it's talking about here those that are dead. People were concerned about what about those that are dead, that die before the Lord comes back again. Now, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus, that's the believers that have died and are asleep, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the Scripture says God will bring them with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent those which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
Now, that is a clear writing from Paul to a church in Thessalonica that was asking questions that we're asking today. What about the little babies? What about those that die before Jesus comes back again? What is going to happen to them? But here's the point I want to make in starting out this morning. When a person has made their peace with God, we ought to enjoy living in that peace. You hear what I'm saying? If you know that you're saved, you don't have to be worried about whether you're post-trib or pre-trib or is Jesus going to come back before the tribulation. Let somebody else worry about that. It does not matter the details. Well, is it going to be a trumpet or a trombone? Is it coming on a white horse? And what, what kind of horse is it going to be? Who cares? All I want to know, he's coming. And number two, I want to know I'm ready. And number three, I want to know that you're ready. Even if you're watching on television, wherever you are, when Jesus comes, the Bible says, every eye will see him, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The problem is, for some, it'll be too late. There won't be any question who he is when he comes. And there'll be no question as to those that know him and those that don't. When I was a little kid, for a dime, you could go to a movie, and there'd be serials. And uh, they would run about 15 minutes. And they always left you just, and you had to come back and spend another dime next week. Well, that got so much on my nerves, I quit going to the movies. I started reading books. And when I'd get in one of those situations in reading books, I'd just turn to the end of the book. And if I knew my hero was alive, then I'd start over again. I was I'm okay. He's going to make it through this. He's going to make it through this, you know. Now I know the end of the story. Well, that's kind of what we're doing in this series. We're going to the end of the story. We win. Amen? We win. He's coming back. And every person that knows him is going to bow at his feet. And every person that's been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be able to spend eternity with him. Now, this church in Thessalonica was a young church. And they had some rumors floating around in the church. One was that Jesus had already come. And uh, they had to deal with that. I don't have time to go into that, but that was something that they were trying to deal with. And uh, the second problem they had was some way they felt like if we die before Jesus comes, then we miss it. And so Paul said, I better address that. I need to address those rumors that Jesus has come for salvation, but he has not come to establish his kingdom. And that those that are dead, God's got a plan for them. So he settles the people down by the writing of this book. If you look at verse 13, you will see again, it says, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are fallen asleep. Now, please put the comma in the right place when you read that. It does not say, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren. It does not say you're ignorant. It says, I, my brothers, don't want you ignorant. So commas do make a difference sometimes when you're reading the Bibles. But God's timing, I, I want you to kind of stick with me just a little bit this morning. 
as I try to go through this very quickly. When, when we talk about the return of the Savior, the first thing we must put down and know for certain is that the Lord, verse 16, himself will descend from heaven. It is imperative that we know God's not going to send a prophet. He's not going to send a preacher. He is not going to send a person. He is coming himself. The Lord himself is going to come. He is not going to look for somebody for the people to elect, to lead them out of bondage. He will come himself. And those that know him will be set free from the bondage of this world. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. It is imperative that we know there is no substitute. Acts 1:11. I want to take you into that passage for a moment and listen to what it says, which also said, you men of Galilee, this is after when Jesus had ascended back 40 days after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven. He says, you men of Galilee, why are you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. It was made very clear to those people that day that Jesus that, that died, was born a virgin, died on a Roman cross, buried in a Roman grave, three days later rose, 40 days later ascended into heaven. That same Jesus is going to come from heaven with a shout when Jesus comes back again. That is very, very important. And that's the reason the Scripture makes it very, very clear. Because as you will see in later messages, what's going to happen, you, will, you must understand that the tough decisions that you're going to hear about are going to be made by Jesus, not by a, sinless, uh, a sinful person, not by somebody that's educated, not by someone that is like you or like me or thinks like we do. It will not be someone that has partial knowledge about your life and what you have done inside as well as outside because people, God knew people would be confused when that happens, so he wants to make it very, very clear. Now, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we read a lot of things about what it means to be a child of God. I want to kind of highlight that, that real quickly. When a person becomes a child of God, here's what it means. It means there came a moment when they recognized they were a sinner, they could not save themselves, and that they needed a Savior. Someone had to help them. They had to humble themselves and cry out for help, like drowning, but you don't want anybody to throw you a life raft. Uh, or a life jacket because you want to do it yourself. It would be beneath your dignity. Well, it was made very clear to the people that when a person is saved, they weren't born in a certain place or born to a certain family or had certain ideas about things. What the Scripture says is that a person is born again when they invite Jesus personally to come into their life. We're born the first time with a natural birth. And then there's the spiritual birth. There is no other way other than a new birth. In John chapter 3, except a man be born again, he will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. 
So a person must never rely on their church. They must never rely on their pastor, priest, or rabbi. They must never re rely on their mother or their father or their great-grandparents or their friend. They must understand the only name given among men whereby we must be saved is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. He knows what we've done and what we've thought about doing. He knows the reasons why that we were led into temptation and how we handled those temptations. But there's something else. The Bible was very clear throughout. It's very clear in the fact that when death comes, when death comes, Jesus takes us home. In our spirit, as the body is laid in a grave. But the moment you draw your last breath, you're absent from the body, according to the Scripture, and you're present with the Lord. Now, that is an instantaneous thing. Whenever we go to a funeral and the body is there, it is a body. It was an earth suit. But that person is not there. They're attending their own funeral. And I don't think they really care whether we come or not. Taking off, say, I'm going to get you. You didn't even come to my funeral. I'm, you know, <laughs> got you right here. I've been waiting on you to come up here. I'm just going to wear you out. I don't think that's going to happen. All right. But the moment a person leaves this earth, they're in another world. We'll talk about that later. But in this time, I think the Lord has a way of letting us know from time to time that he's here. If you live in Texas, when it rains, not hurricanes, just rain, and especially West Texas, when the flowers bloom, when the lightning flashes, when the birds sing, when the baby's born, God has a way of just letting you know, I'm still around, I'm still around, I'm still around. Every sunrise, every sunset. He doesn't just leave us to where we have to wonder, is there really a God? He says very clearly, I've made myself so evident in creation that all people in all lands are without an excuse. But this is all building up to something. This is all building up for something. People say, oh, every time the sun rises, I believe Jesus has come again. No, no, he hasn't come. That's evidence he is coming. And then in the afternoon with my cup of coffee on the back porch and the sun sets, oh, just gets me right here. Jesus has come back twice today. No, he has not come back. All he's telling you is, I got the whole world in my hand. I got it under control. I am going to come back again, but right now, I'm just giving you some little reminders. And you know what? One of the greatest reminders is when God's children who have sinned, acknowledge their sin, repent of their sin, and they feel a peace that passes all understanding. All those spankings our parents used to give us, they were tough. But the few minutes afterwards when they'd bring us up on their lap and hold us and say, I love you, they were special minutes. They're memorable for a lifetime. And our Lord is a loving, loving God. But let me quickly tell you about the resurrection of the saints. In that 16th verse again, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, this is talking about those in the graves. Those that have died and the body is in the grave, the Bible is indicating here that the dead in Christ 
will rise first. The Bible talks, to the, talks about death as being asleep. It is a time when you're asleep in the 13th verse, in the 14th verse, in the 15th verse. As you do your Bible study, notice when, when, when uh, the, the stoning of Stephen came. The Bible said when he drew his last breath, he went to sleep. Do your Bible study and see and discover that Christians went to sleep when they died, but it doesn't say that about those that are not Christians. There's a difference. There is a difference. Whenever a person dies without Jesus, we'll talk about that at a later time. But the Bible does not describe the death of a lost person, an unregenerate person, a person that has not been born again as a time of sleep and peace and tranquility and rest. Not at all. Now, sleep is nothing to fear. Lay down, you rest. It's temporary. It's a state of existence. But one day we wake up. One day we wake up. We are asleep in Jesus. What does that mean? It means we're put to sleep by the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus causes a deep sleep to fall. And we have that time if the Lord doesn't come back in our lifetime. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. As just a moment ago, David read out of the Revelation, there's so much good stuff in the last book of the Bible having to do with the things that are so relevant to us today. Listen to Revelation 1.18. I am he, capital H, that lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. When Jesus died, he was absent from this earth, but he went to be with the Lord. And look what it says here. He says, I have the keys of hell and death. I hold them in my hand. They are mine to do with what I will. I will choose. I will make the decision. I will listen, and I will be there when my children show up. The soul, the spirit with the Lord, the body to the grave. What a joy it is to read those kind of words. In Ecclesiastes 12, 7, it says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. The spirit shall return unto the God that gave it. That's the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes. Back to the New Testament, Philippians 1, verse 23. For I'm in a strait between two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. That's when Paul was wrestling. He said, I, I know I've got work to do here on earth, but for me, it'd be better than me have to deal with all this mess to just go and be with the Lord. But for the people, it was best for him to stay. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. Could I take you back one more time to the cross? Jesus is dying. It's the seven sayings. Do you remember? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then it was finished. There was that moving from earthly Jesus to be with the Father, the Spirit. Three days later, the, the, the body came out of the grave. Forty days it ascended, but the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, that is passed on to us. 
So we go to sleep in the grave. But then we go to be with the Lord. Jesus will come back, I believe, to a resurrected body, not to a spirit. I believe the dead in Christ are going to rise. I think we're going to have a spiritual body. No question about that. But it ain't going to be like this one. It's not going to be like this one. It's going to be a perfect body. It will never die. It will never grow old. It'll just have more, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. The former things are passed away. That spirit of that departed loved one that you may be thinking about right now, that spirit is with the Lord. Amen. Right at this very, very moment. And you know what? They'd be bad if we brought them, they would be mad if we brought them back. They would say, leave me alone. Get your act together and come on home. And then I think the first thing for those of us that have just keep on and keep on, we can't turn loose, we can't turn loose, we can't turn loose. The connection with the Lord. You stay with the Lord, the Lord will, can keep you connected, okay? But I think that when we get there, we may get a, just a quick moment of loving tongue lashing. Why did you keep on wanting me to come back? What do you think, you know? This is so much better. I thought one of these days that God's going to ask your prayer and that's going to have to go back and live with y'all, you know? But it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. We are going to be forever and forever and forever and forever and forever with the Lord. You know, Samuel is a, is a story where Saul called him back from the dead Samuel got mad at him. Go back and read that story. But here's what happens. When we die through Jesus, we go to be with the Father. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus will bring back the Spirit and unite it with the resurrected body, and the new body will rise to meet the Lord in the air. And what will the body be like? The only way I can answer that is like Jesus. Right. It's going to be like Jesus. It's going to be absolutely perfect. Well, let me close here. The rapture of the survivors. We talked about the dead in Christ. Here's what the 17th verse. It says, we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Think about it. Forever and forever and forever. Billy Sunday years ago, the old evangelist before Billy Graham that was really just a bum on the street, problem with alcohol, stopped in a mission on the streets. Oh, I believe it was New York, but he was born again. And he began to preach to the masses, and here was his illustration. When somebody asked him, what is eternity like? He said, if God would permit a little bird to be born the size of a hummingbird and would give him the assignment of taking the planet Earth out to where the sun is, that distance, and could pick up the Earth and carry it out there and deposit it and then come back and pick up another bite of this Earth and take it out to outer space and deposit it. And if God would permit that hummingbird to live long enough 
that, that that bird could make a round trip every 10,000 years. When that little hummingbird had moved planet Earth out to the, to the sun and then return it back like it was, it would be sunrise in eternity. Well, I can't even think of that many zeros. I think what I just said was it's forever and forever and forever and forever. Amen. All of us will spend eternity somewhere. Right. Write it down. You will decide where you spend eternity. Not the preacher, not the denomination, not the church. You will decide whether or not you're willing to say, I'm exactly what God says I am, I'm a sinner, or whether you want to say, I'm just as good as everybody else. If you say you're just as good as everybody else, you've got a big problem Amen. because that is the largest group. That's the majority. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Amen. You know, the word rapture is not even found in the Bible. The word rap, rapto, though, in the Latin means to seize or to take away. That's what it means, to take by force, to take speedily, quickly, no goodbye. To claim for oneself. Well, Jesus says, I bought them. They're mine, 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 they're mine. That's what the rapture's like. Instantly, he grabs his kids and he runs with them to heaven. And then finally, the scripture says in verse 17, oh, I like this part, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo! Think about this, folks. This ought to bring a big amen to you. There won't be any more preaching in heaven. <laughs> I did not say there'll be no preachers in heaven. Some of you misunderstood me. I know. <laughs> I said preaching. And for you lawyers that have that smirk on your face, you won't be needed either. <laughs> and for you doctors, you can forget about Medicare, Obamacare, or any other care because you're not going to be needed. For those of you that are wonderful school teachers, God bless you. Have a good time. Do good, but we don't need you in heaven. There won't be any teaching up there. The former things are passed away. And now we have a brand new life. No more sickness. No more death. No more sorrow. No more separations. We'll be forever, ever, and ever with the Lord. And before I close, let me tell you, for those, I just met a, one of our wonderful members and shared with me brother mills that their little grandbaby eight weeks old died yesterday and terry's so mature in the lord and tears in his eyes as we stood out in the foyer a moment ago it's mixed emotions because he said i know where the baby is and you know what when we get to heaven we're going to be glad that everybody's not on social security and medicare we're going to be glad that everybody's not 150 years old or 900 years old, like Methuselah or whatever. We're going to be glad that it's going to be the family of God. And we're going to be able to do things together. I don't know how, how you do things with a three-year-old other than do what the three-year-old wants to do, but I, I just have a feeling there's going to be that, that tie together. But I don't know if you have a family reunion our family did growing up, big one. You know what the sad part was? Going back home, breaking up the reunion. There's something about family, but there's nothing like the family of God. 
We'll be as one. We'll be in one accord, one agreement. We'll be there because of Jesus. And somebody says, well, I don't think I can possibly be happy. I'm going to close with this, and it's going to cause you to do some thinking. But, the, the, but the, the question is asked, how could I possibly be happy in heaven if some family member or loved one that I have is not there? E.S. James, a great preacher of yesteryear, put it like this. He said, in heaven, there'll be all the members of God's family. Those that have not been saved have never been born into God's family. Therefore, it would be asked if they had never existed. Now, you have to think about that. Our family is going to be there. You understand what I'm saying? Our family is the family of God, and everyone will be there. And the former things will pass away and be remembered no more, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But the decision is, what will you do? Revelation 7, 17 says, God will wipe away all tears from our eyes, and there will be no more. What an encouraging word to end on. That one day, one day, we'll be with him forever and forever and forever. Lost friend, if you reject Jesus, under the authority of the Scripture, I must tell you, there's no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. If you reject him, you reject eternity with him. You can do that. I could have done that. I chose not to. Most of you have chosen not to. But I'm talking to many people today via technology, many of you that are watching on television, and many that are right here in this room, and many that are listening on the radio. And if you died today, you would not experience the presence of Jesus in heaven for eternity. It would not happen under the authority of the Scripture. Not my thought, his thought. There's no other way. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. But listen to this. And whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Oh, my dear friend, I had a thought this week how so many people They're in poverty financially. You know why? Because they spend all their money on what they want, and they don't have any money to pay for what they need. They can buy their cigarettes, their alcohol, their sex, their lottery tickets. They'll buy that, but they can't pay their grocery bill. They can't pay for their rent. They can't pay for gasoline. Why? Because they spent everything they had on what they want, and they spent nothing, have nothing for what they need. Everybody, you have your want list. You have your dreams. You have your fantasies. Oh, I'd like to be this. I'd like to be like that. Don't waste your life on that. Get what you need. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And you know what? If you'll ask him, he'll say yes. If you want to be adopted by him, he'll adopt you right now. And you'll never be jerked out of the family. That's your call. He will never force you to follow him, not now and not to eternity, but you can be saved today.